1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening To pain.tv slash gold. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend and you had an opportunity to check out episode 134. We continued to analyze the 1995 paper, Industrial Society and Its Future. And we talked a little bit about some of the stories you've been sending me. We talked about starting to make moves to uh, build your life outside of the system. I told you Wide Awake Jim would be back here on the show today for episode 135. He was a CPA, a financial planner, and then got into oil and gas royalties back in 2010. And as you know, he's been on the show now, I don't know, eight or nine times. He just keeps coming on. He's got hundreds and hundreds of documents. He's reviewed from the Bank for International Settlements all the way through World Economic Forum, looking at the climate change hustle, the green energy grift, looking at Central Bank Digital currency and this overall technocratic slave system that we find ourselves in today and that is growing every single day that goes by. So Jim has now read, as I mentioned yesterday, at least two more books since his last appearance, which was less than a week ago. And so now I have 60 pages of highlighted uh, books. Uh, I've got more articles he sent over. So today what we're going to do is we are going to try to get through the Green Swan document that we started and then Jim wants to introduce you to these books he's been reading. He just constantly consumes Information. I think Jim does. As Mike Moore, the Thomas Paine podcast, tried to get Jim to launch his own podcast. I think he needs one at this point. Jim has at least five thousand episodes ready to go in the can. Jim, it's great to have you back on the show. How was your weekend, sir? (laughs) Weekend was good. It was relaxing.
0: Uh I didn't read too much, but I enjoy reading this stuff and yeah i'm one and a half books further since our last conversation
1: <laughs> i know i know well that's that's the thing I, I tell the audience i'm on a text chain with you and maria albanese who's co-host of the thomas Paine podcast on fridays and all of a sudden we're talking about uh what we're doing on the next show and have to work through these documents then all of a sudden jim fires over 324 screens <laughs> highlighted <laughs> of an entire encyclopedia <laughs> and uh, It just it just never ends. I mean, but this is the issue that you run into, Jim. Maria does. uh, I know Mike does. I do a lot of people I work with when you just consume information all the time and then you want to share it with everyone. It's like unless you have a show that you're talking 24 hours a day, you can't really share all the information that you keep finding. (laughs)
0: No, and I I just want to make sure I'm not the crazy one in the coffee shop laughing when I'm reading this crap. It's hilarious.
1: That's what I told the audience. I said, you're always on the road, whether for business or personal. So you spend a lot of time in independent, privately owned coffee shops where you are trying to preach to the management and the employees, but using it as an opportunity to test out themes and narratives and bumper Uh sticker slogans and get a feel for the streets. That's what I like to do. That's why I talk to a lot of the Instacart workers and the gig workers because i like to get a feel for people at the street level that aren't consuming all this how you break through in a conversation and explain some of this to them and warn them about it which i told the audience that we were going back and forth in text between you me and maria on you know this video series and a possible documentary and we're starting to figure out how to frame it uh to reach a younger audience because at the end of the day it's not really about you or me. It's about uh, our kids, our grandkids, uh, and those folks out there that are going to have to grow up in this system. I think you and I can avoid the majority of this because we know what it was like to grow up without the internet and without uh, all the smart technology. So if we had to run away and and live in a rural area, we could last another 20, 30 years. It's the young kids, unfortunately, that are going to grow up inside of the prison system if their parents are raising them attached to devices all the time and who knows, running around with a the microchip in them that'll probably be coming in the next few years so uh, yeah. it's those guys that we have to try to wake up and warn that there is an alternative to digital slavery they just don't know what it is because they didn't grow up in it
0: right well and part of it was uh me having dinner with my daughter and telling her about some of this stuff i showed her one of the little video clips of the uh personless bank branch for bank of america that maria had shared uh, that little video and her first question was like, what about all the jobs? She's 22 and it clicks right away. What about all the jobs? And then I explained to her about the McDonald's with, you know, completely robotic and uh, the frictionless grocery shopping and in the gas station in Alabama that's got no employees. I'm like, this is what they want. And she goes well what are people supposed to do all day i go well they just assume you're going to put you on your var headset and and either go take a walk in nature or play video games all day and you're going to be happy yeah she's like that's crazy so i told her we were uh, floated the idea of the video buyer and that's when she said you've got to get it on tiktok because all all young people have tiktok and she showed me some of the videos that pop up on hers and yeah. most of the kids aren't in you know they're not seeing the transhumanism stuff they're not seeing the crazy stuff you found when you started oh doing research God. on tiktok <laughs> they're not seeing me. that i mean they're seeing like for her she's seeing girls <laughs> like you know showing outfits or how to do yeah. makeup or some dance move or whatever you know that kind of crap but she would share it with everybody she knows and yeah. and then the world it'll just spread like wildfire
1: yeah so it's all it's all the audience do. that i told the audience that i've avoided tiktok for the last whatever five six years it's been out and i went and set up an account the other night uh at dustin gold show i didn't put anything i just used it to get in there and i said so i start searching hashtags like you would do on twitter or facebook i said because i was starting Mm -hmm. to try to run some analytics and so i'm looking up technocracy i'm looking up world economic forum transhumanism stuff that, that that if you went on uh twitter you'd find uh t lab and you'd find whitney webb people like that so i'm tiktok and i said i I did not know there were actual people who are excited and can't wait to merge with machines and have a brain chip put in their head but i found them at tiktok It's like this was. It reminded me of uh, if if I visualized what an MK Ultra torture chamber was like, where they're going to strap you down to a gurney with barbed wire and pin your eyes open with crocheting needles and force you to watch weird stuff on the screen, like in The Manchurian Candidate. This is whatever I stumbled upon. (laughs) I was like, this was some freaky freaky stuff i the closest thing i found to like kind of an anti-establishment anti-government kind of narrative because that's sort of those are the kind that you're trying to hit those people it was a guy with lipstick on with a wig and he looks like a woman but then he's voicing over and he's going 9-11 is an inside job 9-11 isn't it and i said this is what and and that video had more views than anything (laughs) else i could find i'm like what am i watching this is the craziest stuff well, I've ever and seen. that's the
0: thing i mean this is just a means to an end you know we're not trying to find an echo chamber we're not trying to find like-minded people we're trying to share it with young people and like we talked offline like you know th- there's not going to be any of that theatrical bullshit attached to the video it's going to be we like when it comes straight from their mouths or straight from their documents to wake people
1: up that's the. Yeah. You don't have to add all that theatrical stuff. This stuff yep. is crazy on its own. I know. Well, I was thinking to myself, what do you want me to dress up as uh, Pee Wee Herman, get breast implants, and run no. around on the screen with loud m- music playing, warning people about central bank digital currency because that might break through and whatever.
0: I yeah, thought. yeah. <laughs> so, was... so,
1: we're gonna st- <laughs> we're gonna switch things up on people here
0: today. Yeah, we're gonna try to finish that Green Swan BIS document, but we're going to read some shit from these two books. Uh, one that I finished and one I'm, I started and I'm about a third of the way through the second one. Um, but also I found, uh, this article yesterday, uh, from Germany. But before that, I want to preface it with, so I'm down visiting my daughter. I, I leave the coffee shop I was in and, uh, there's these Tesla, there's like a mall behind the coffee shop, a mm. small mall. Um, and it's a it's an affluent area um this little area of the town and so there's all the there's i think there's eight or nine tesla supercharger stations so there's three teslas sitting there charging and it's a nice day the one guy had his door open i'm like i got in the truck i started it up and i debated should i go talk to this guy and I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm going to go talk to this guy, you know, because I just got done having the conversation with the coffee shop manager, which I'll, I'll share on there too. So I go over to this guy and I've gotten pretty good about asking questions without um being confrontational. <clears throat> so it doesn't go to left versus right, climate change versus no climate change. It doesn't go there. Right. So I walk up and I said, hey, you doing he said i'm good how are you i said i'm thinking about buying one of these things can i ask you a few questions (laughs) of course i'm not buying one of those but (laughs) he doesn't know that right and so i start talking to him and he's like yeah this is a 2022 and i said how long does it take you to charge he said well this is a tesla supercharged station so it takes about 20 to 30 minutes but at home it takes four hours and yeah And and then he explains that he's got the, like, super version Tesla, so it's got, like, a bigger battery or something. (laughs) And um, I said, well, what's the range? And he goes, well, this one can go 400, 450 miles. The smaller batteries can go, like, 300, 350 miles. And I had read the scientific study about how, you know, under 70 degrees, all of these batteries lose, like, 20 to 25% of their charge. Mm. And he, of course, he didn't know I'd read that. So I asked him if he's experienced that. And he's like, "No, no, no, I haven't noticed that at all." And I'm thinking in my head, "Okay, but you're only making ten mile trips here and there every day. You don't know. You didn't take mm. a long range trip in cold weather." Um, yeah. And then I said, "Well, how do you feel about this uh, automated driving thing?" And uh, he's like, "Oh, it's so cool! You know, you can you can just put your hands on the wheel and put your ball cap down and go to sleep for an hour." And as long as you plug in uh, the destination, the, the car just takes you there. And I'm thinking, well, aren't you, like, worried about something? You know, shouldn't you at least be paying attention to the road in case there's a malfunction? And he's like, nah, I was worried about it in the beginning. But, you know, you get used to it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, <laughs> well, that's a danger to everybody else on the road. Forget you. Oh, my God. And then he starts to explain to me that the camera system in the inside the Tesla, he said, his words, it's overly restrictive. If it catches you on your phone, that you get you get a warning, and after three warnings, Tesla bans you from the automated driving for life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is how can people be this dumb? You want automated driving, which means you can be on your phone, but they make you give you a violation for being on your phone. But yeah. you can be asleep.
1: That's cool. You just can't be on your phone. Yeah, I know. Now, could you imagine? And I don't recommend people do this, but let's say you're a smoker and you want to smoke in your car with a kid in the car. Imagine your car being able to give you three warnings and then ban you from <laughs> ever being able to drive again because you smoked in the car with your kid or like you were yeah. vaping in the car with your I mean imagine like you're you're buying something for 40, 50, 120, I don't know what I don't know what model he had, 120,000. 2022. Could, he had a 2022. that could ban you <laughs> from certain features because you violated yeah. Tesla's rules. I mean, come on. Well, and how do you not see that that's a
0: digital slavery? They're <laughs> they're making the rules. You have to follow them. Yeah. Just like when I told somebody in the coffee shop i was talking about i was again probing and i wasn't really getting uh being able to get anywhere so then i brought up um the digital the digital prison in colorado i said yeah they put all these smart meters on all the homes and and uh apartment complexes so that they can you know you've got a digital thermostat and with the smart meter what happened in color i just I tell them, I don't say this is what they can do. I just gave them the real world example, right? Yeah. Last summer, during the heat wave in Colorado, the power company went into those digital thermostats and set it at 78. You could not cool your house under 78 degrees. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, hipster coffee shop dude was like, whoa, that's totally authoritarian. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it is.
1: And I just leave it at
0: that. Let them go think.
1: No, but what you're talking about is really important, and I, I've been able to do that for years. I think growing up with my father as a private investigator and hanging out with him since I was one or two years old, while well, he worked on cases, so I would watch my father in action, gather intelligence without getting in fights with people, but playing right. dumb, sort of con- just like a good salesman does, conforming to they don't that know person. What you know. No, and and you'll generally find people both on the right and the left, if you, if you're at a family gathering. Some people have this thing where it's like, um... Uh, this level of narcissism, where they just assume you are what they are. So, like, uh, uh, you know, someone who I de- like, just a, a political lefty, will come up to me at a Christmas thing. Not, not now, but they used to, or they would say, "Oh, you know, I heard you do an impression of Trump. You must hate him and want to shoot him in the face too." And you're like, "What are you talking about?" Like, they just assume. And I see people on the right do that too. They get in conversations and they assume everyone uh, identifies with their ideology and you all share the same ideology and you're like a chest-thumping patriot or whatever. But see, what you're doing is the right way to do it. I do it. That's what Mike does. Where you start to converse with people and and it's you're drawing information out of them, which helps you refine your narrative later, your argument, your ability, whether you're going to try to turn that into mass media content like a documentary or whether you're just doing it to spread the word with five or six people a day that you come in contact with. And it's also important what you just said is because now you can give people so many real world examples of this stuff going on today you don't have to say this is what they're going to do 12 years from now because nobody believes that that's abstract but when you're able to say oh in africa they're doing this with cbdc you know it's able to give like a real world example of where this stuff is actually happening you know
0: yeah and same coffee shop um we'll get to the the back to the car thing in just a second but same coffee shop I uh, was talk had started a conversation with the manager, um, asked them how many stores they had now because I know they're growing, and so they've added a fifth fifth location. Two guys started it, no debt, no investors. They started it, you know, and just grew one store at a time. And this guy's managing, I think the all all five. Um, and so we just got to talking, and, and he didn't know anything about CBDC; had never heard of it. And I I just said, you know, I, I like to encourage small small businesses to use cash what percentage of your sales or are, are credit card he's like oh 90 and i'm like yeah what are your fees he's like yeah those are three and a half percent he goes but the uh the the third party vendors are even more i said third party like what like he goes like grubhub uh doordash etc those are all taking 20 percent. and i said you know the big banks don't really need this money and the, <laughs> and they're they're criminals anyways which he Almost everybody agrees with that. Yeah, Nobody argues that statement. So we started talking and I said, you know, I said, what's your, you know, what's your sales every month? And he's like, uh, well for this store, it's like, you know, a hundred thousand a month. And I said, okay, well, let's just do some math. You know, at 90% credit card sales, that's, you know, 45, uh, uh, well, three and a half percent. So it's about three grand a month, one store. Mm Mm-hmm. That's You take it times five, you're at $15,000 a month. That's a lot of fees. And then if you can cut that by 20%, just by putting up a sign that says cash preferred and then explain the bank fees underneath it. So I've seen some businesses where they'll put uh, a discount for cash. Others will put a surcharge for for credit, for plastic. Mm-hmm. If you just put cash preferred and here's the fees to avoid these fees, it's non-confrontational right you're not going to piss anybody off Mm -hmm. um but by doing that you know you're taking 20 percent of fifteen thousand dollars a month three thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. that's i said that's real money you know that that could be somebody's salary Mm -hmm. and it kind of clicked you know he was like wow i never thought of it that way yeah he did say they had the conversation of of whether or not to go cashless and they decided that that was discriminatory; that they were not going to do that.
1: Now, what, Jim? What would did you happen to ask? What would have been their reason to go cashless? Is it just because it's like a trend, a fad now, and it sounds trend, hip yeah. and cool? Yeah, it's just trendy. Yeah, they're and making cool? it. They're
0: making it trendy in, in, in on in the liberal world, if you will. Um, they're just making it trendy and easier and
1: just you, sort of in that like hip. It's just in that like hipster bourgeois space, like people think it's cool. (laughs) Well, it's it's funny, too, because you mentioned this is important, I think, for folks that want to have this conversation with people. The majority of people look at the banks, the bankers, you know, Wall Street now as boogeyman. See, the left, when they created the orchestrated Occupy Wall Street movement 10, 15 years ago, back under Obama, see, that's still ingrained in their culture that they don't like the banks and they don't like Wall Street because they had the left-wing actors, the puppets, you know, the WWE wrestlers attacking Wall Street and the banks. It was generally the conservatives back then. We were trained, or I I came from the right, was trained to be the ones cheering it on, going, no, Wall Street's awesome and corporations are people too. Like, we were told to say that. Now, Mm -hmm. really since 2015, as the veils lifted, people that identify in the right now hate Wall Street and the banks. So the bankers are the best target When you're trying to talk to people about the evil guys behind the scenes that are stealing from everybody and trying to drive us into a slave system, one, it's accurate because we see it all coming out of Bank for International Settlements, the international banksters, and two, the majority of people aren't going to defend the bank. I mean even the no. people that I had to talk to that worked at bank at Citibank like the cashier and then this manager yeah. who worked there when my wife's money got stolen they hate the bank they work for <laughs> like That's they because will tell you they
0: hate 99% it. of the people or I, sh- I can't say that cuz there's 5% of the US poli- uh, uh, <laughs> don't have a bank account right so 95% of the people the, the remaining 95% at some point have been screwed over by either a bank, a credit card company, or a Wall Street firm,
1: so right. yeah, they all hate the banks. Yeah, it's, it's like if you're doing comedy, you're talking about interacting with the government, and you write a joke bashing the DMV. The majority of people agree with you because the majority of people have had to deal with a DMV at some level. So yeah, but five hour line dude, for nothing. But, yeah yeah but that's why you're right if people want to go out there and preach this stuff and start to experiment talking about these things to friends and family that they think are interested and want to know more talk about it from the perspective of the bankers rather than starting off a conversation talking about republican or democrat or conservative or liberal you you can't even define any of that stuff anymore the fact is it's you have the bankers at the international level that are trying to centralize power people in talking about new world order for years, global government. That's where it's coming from, folks. It's the bankers. The majority of the system was put in place over the last 100 years through the central banking system, and then in our country with the Federal Reserve banking system, which is a central bank, they've already been consolidating it. They just want to take the next step now, which is to manage you, govern you all the way down to the last transaction. That's that's what they want yeah, to do. I've gotten point. pretty good at
0: the, you know having these conversations and never ever ever bringing up politics and never ever ever bringing up the green grift or or the climate hustle um, but i'm started to get i'm starting to get good at the green grift and climate hustle without saying it's bullshit mm. you know, cuz again that's confrontational to people that believe in the narrative right they've been hoodwinked yeah and so i point out the the, the obvious facts some of which we've been through on your show You know, that you got to find 42 times the amount of lithium and and the scientists, this is the actual scientific data. And there's, you know, that nobody's going to, nobody that I've talked to disputes that. Um, But what they will dispute is, well, you can't argue. They'll say you can't argue the climate's, you know, not changing and humans aren't causing it, even though they've not read one scientific document or even right. not one review of a scientific document so they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about they just heard it on npr or wherever right
1: 100 times yeah 100 times a month they hear it yeah right right but
0: i think i found the exact way to phrase that enlightening moment and it's on the back cover of the next book i'm going to read
1: when i finish this one <laughs> so let me grab that real quick and i'll show your audience hang on two seconds all right so jim is gonna go grab this book he's got another book folks it's book after book i told you guys a few episodes ago jim has a huge library and he constantly consumes information and uh when jim gets into a book he'll be 100 pages in completely highlighted like he's writing a term paper (laughs) (laughs) so this book
0: the author of this book was in the documentary um oh shoot which was it it was uh not the global oh it was i'll, I'll get the name of it and i'll um I'll, I'll get it texted to you later we'll add it okay. to the show it was a documentary where these environmentalists went around and they were trying to figure out if this this solar and wind was really going to work and they came to the conclusion that no it's not going to work well here's the book and
1: that's called green illusions yep and this is the author the Dirty Secrets of Clean Energy and the Future of Environmentalism. Ozzy Ziner, Z E H N E R. Yep. And on the back,
0: it says, We don't have an energy crisis, we have a consumption crisis. And so I started using that in conversations with people, and the NPR folk all agree. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. right. We don't have an energy crisis. We have a consumption crisis, and so there's where you can get in and start to wake people up.
1: That no, that's a great that's a great way to phrase it. Um, there was another thing that was similar to that, but no, it's great. It's like what I talk about here. Uh, you know, we because we've been driven into and engineered into sort of this consumeristic, materialistic society over the last Mm -hmm. hundred years. And this has, again, this has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with capitalism. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's just, we've been driven into this system. And that's why uh, Marie Albanese sent me a video that was making its rounds on Twitter. I think it was from uh, England, some politician, younger guy. And he was, he was attacking wokeness, right? I was listening to it. I was going, oh, okay, this is pretty good. Well, he gets to the end. And it was all a trap, and I don't think anyone ever is going to notice this except I did. The trap at the end was he said um, to the people of England, listen, woke kids, we can't stop climate change. We can't stop this. We only... Uh, put two percent of the CO two in the air for the whole world. You know who's causing all the climate change problems? Poor countries, China, you know Russia, uh, Africa, and then he starts talking about uh, Xi Jinping's story and how he grew up poor and now he runs China and he doesn't care about climate change. And then I said, Where is this guy going with this? And finally, in the end, he goes, The solution is more technology we need to create this technology to govern how we do and i said to maria he did you send this to me because you notice he's he's creating the setup to drive self-identifying conservatives into a cbdc carbon credit based system and she goes oh do you think that's what he was doing i thought it was a great speech i said he just, he, th- see, the solution is never maybe get rid of some technology. It's always more technology is going to fix the problems that they claim was created by technology. Tell me how a bunch of poor people out in an indigenous village are polluting with CO2 versus the people living in an industrial, consumeristic, materialistic society with uh, throwaway plastic bottles. How the hell are those poor people polluting more than we're polluting? I was laughing. I said, You can't buy this. This is crazy. But you're right. It's consumption, not energy. Right. And, no, that's and the whole climate change thing is all about
0: developing the South. They I mean these these elite corporate, massive multinational corporation, global corporations, and, and the really elite. They made money on, on developing the North. Now they want to develop the Southern Hemisphere, and they want to make sure there's enough resources to do so.
1: Yeah. And they're telling you that if they go into these poor mud hut villages and they start building uh, mega warehouses and Amazon uh, warehouses and all this other stuff, that somehow that's going to help fight the climate change. And it's these poor people living in mud huts that are creating climate problems. I've like read some, I'm laughing. I'm like, you're going to try to tell me that if we turn their mud hut village into New York City, that somehow is going to fight the pollution that you guys are claiming is the problem?
0: Yeah, it's almost like uh, the inflation numbers we get from the government. If anybody trusts those, you're an idiot. I read this in, a, in an article the other day. Since 1990, okay, 32 years, right? Do you know how many times the Bureau of Labor Statistics has changed the math on CPI inflation?
1: I only know because you sent it, I think it was it 29 More times? than 24 times. <laughs> yeah, in 32 years. Yeah.